ultra-high dose rate flash radiotherapy, salva bullet or false gold. A review by Joseph Wilson, Christopher Patterson and others from University of Oxford, United Kingdom, Frontiers in Oncology, 2020. Radiotherapy is a cornerstone of both curative and palliative cancer care. However, radiotherapy is severely limited by radiation-induced toxicities. If these toxicities could be reduced, a greater dose of radiation could be given, therefore facilitating a better tumor response. Initial preclinical studies have shown that irradiation at dose rates for exceeding those currently used in clinical contexts reduce radiation-induced toxicities whilst maintaining an equivalent tumor response. This is known as the flash effect. To date, a single patient has been subjected to flash radiotherapy for the treatment of subcutaneous T-cell lymphoma, resulting in complete response and minimal toxicities. The mechanism responsible for reduced tissue toxicity following flash radiotherapy is yet to be elucidated, but the most prominent hypothesis so far proposed is that acute oxidation depletion occurs within the irradiated tissue. This review examines the tissue response to flash radiotherapy, critically evaluates the evidence-supporting hypothesis surrounding the biological basis of the flash effect and considers the potential for flash radiotherapy to be translated into clinical contexts. Introduction in the UK, almost 30% of diagnosed tumors are treated with radiotherapy. External beam radiotherapy is not invasive procedure whereby tumors are targeted with ionizing radiation, causing lethal damage to cancer cells, resulting in cell death. However, radiotherapy also inflicts acute and chronic toxicities to the normal tissue surrounding the tumor. These radiation-induced toxicities limit the dose of radiation that can be delivered and subsequently limit the extent to which radiotherapy can be curative. Furthermore, as the number of long-term cancer survivors increases, late-onset toxicities resulting from radiotherapy are emerging that significantly impact the quality of life of those patients. Consequently, there is a need for novel radiotherapy strategies to maintain the anti-tumor effect whilst limiting the extent of toxicities induced in the surrounding healthy tissue. Limiting the induction of toxicities to normal tissue would subsequently increase the therapeutic index of radiotherapy regimes. A number of recent studies have demonstrated that irradiation at ultra-high dose rates, flash, diminishes the severity of toxicities in normal tissues, compared to irradiation at the conventional dose rates, CAMV, currently used in clinical practice. Notably, limited data also shows that flash radiotherapy reduces normal tissue toxicities while maintaining the anti-tumor response of CONV radiotherapy. Flash radiotherapy delivery uses radiations with high radiation output that allows for the entire radiotherapy treatment or large fraction doses to be delivered in parts of a second compared to several minutes for CONV radiotherapy. The short treatment times used in flash radiotherapy often shorter than 0.1 seconds, have the added value of minimizing treatment delivery uncertainties caused by intrafraction motion. Carefully implemented, this would allow for smaller treatment margins and therefore smaller volumes of normal tissue being unnecessarily irradiated. 
given both the radiobiological advantages of flash effect and its potential to freeze physiological motion. Flash radiotherapy has the potential to be an important evolutionary step in cancer treatment. The biology underpinning the flash effect, however, remains unknown. Flash radiotherapy limits normal tissue toxicity. Investigation of the dose rate at which radiotherapy is delivered harks back in the 1960s, when it was demonstrated that non-carcinous mammalian cells irradiated at ultra-high dose rates had greater viability than those irradiated at conventional dose rates. More recently, this toxicity-limiting property of ultra-high dose rate was rediscovered and named FLASH by Favondon and others. In their study, they demonstrated that thoracic radiation of mice with a single fraction of 17 gray at conventional dose rates induced moderate and severe regions of pulmonary fibrosis at 36 weeks post-radiation. In contrast, when mice received the same dose at ultra-high dose rates, the induction of pulmonary fibrosis was starkly reduced. A greater dose of 30 gray delivered by flash radiotherapy was required to induce comparable levels of pulmonary fibrosis as seen following radiotherapy. Whilst exploring the reduction in pulmonary fibrosis following flash radiotherapy, the same group investigated any changes in the induction of the transforming growth factor beta signaling cascade, a well-documented molecular marker of radiation-induced pulmonary fibrosis. In accordance with their prior findings, conradiotherapy of 17 grays significantly induced TGF-beta signaling. This signaling was reduced in mice that had been subjected to flesh radiotherapy. Once again, a great dose of 30 gray delivered by flesh radiotherapy was required to induce TGF-beta signaling to the equivalent extent as seen following irradiation with radiotherapy. Limited TGF-beta signaling following flesh radiotherapy has also been shown in vitro. This study demonstrated that even 24-hour post-irradiation Conv radiotherapy induced threefold greater TGF beta signaling compared to flash radiotherapy. In addition to thoracic radiation, it has been shown in several studies that wall brain irradiation using flash radiotherapy confers neuroprotection compared to Conv radiotherapy. In one such study, Mice were exposed to varying dose rates ranging from 0.1 gray per second to 10 gray delivered in a single 1.8 microsecond pulse. At all those rates, mice were exposed to 10 gray in a single fraction. Any radiation used neurotoxicity was measured by a novel object recognition test two months post radiation. Analysis of these data showed that mice irradiated at 0.1 gray per second performed significantly worse on the novel object recognition test compared to the non-irradiated control. Notably, as those rates increased, mice performed significantly better in the recognition test when irradiated at those rates more or equal to 30 gray per second. Furthermore, there was no statistical difference in novel object recognition between mice irradiated at those rates exceeding 100 gray per second and non-irradiated mice. In early studies, it was observed in rodent models that radiation-induced skin reactions could be significantly reduced at ultra-high dose rates. Specifically, it was shown in a rat model the radiation at 67 gray per second induced less severe skin reactions, for example, reddening, moist, discrimination, and skin breakdown. The short and long term compared to rats irradiated at either 1 or 
0.03 gray per second. This study also measured the deformity of the radiated feed six months post-radiation, consistent with induction of skin reactions. The extent of deformation was less in the rats radiated at 67 gray per second compared to the two lower dose rates. Proclinical flash radiotherapy studies have also been extended from rodent models to higher mammals such as mini pigs and cats. As recently and succinctly reviewed, they study radiated 1026 mm in diameter circular patches of skin on the back of a single mini pig for five different dose levels from 22 to 34 gray with either flash radiotherapy at a dose rate of 300 gray per second or radiotherapy at 0.083 gray per second. Examination 48 weeks post-radiation showed that fresh radiotherapy had been well tolerated with only mild cutaneous depigmentation at the site of radiation. In contrast, sites subject to radiotherapy presented with clear fibronecrotic lesions. By way of extension, the study used flash radiotherapy to treat six cats, all presenting with squamous cell carcinoma of the nasal planum to a total dose ranging from 25 to 41 gray. All six cats responded extremely well to treatment with complete remission of tumors with minimal toxicity. Cats treated with the largest dose of radiation exhibited most equamation around the site of radiation. An obvious limitation of this study is the lack of a parallel arm of cat subjects treated with conf radiotherapy. Many preclinical studies have reported a successful flesh normal tissue sparing effect, but it cannot be overlooked that there have also been several studies supporting no significant sparing of normal tissues following irradiation at ultra-high dose rates. For example, SYNTH and others delivered wall and partial body synchrotron radiation to mice at ultra-high dose rates of 37 to 41 gray per second in the hope of characterizing the equivalent convertotherapy dose. However, comparing TD50 values, this study did not observe any differential sparing between broad beam irradiation of ultra-high and conventional dose rates. A similar study by Monte Grill and others delivering wall-brain synchrotron radiation at a dose rate of 37 gray per second to mice did however show significant neurocognitive sparing compared to conventional X-ray radiation. Synchrotin radiation beams are very flat, several centimeter with width but with a height on the micromillimeter millimeter scale, requiring the irradiated sample to be scanned through the beam slice. For studies investigating the flash effect with synchrotron radiation, the dose rate within the beam slice is likely the most important parameter. So even though the average dose rate was similar in these two studies and probably just high enough for a flash sparring effect, the high of the beam slice through which the mice were scanned was different by a factor 20, corresponding to the same difference in dose rate in the slice. This difference in beam size, dose rate, and of course the difference in the investigated endpoints could explain why one study found a flash sparing effect while the other study did not. A summary of in vivo studies investigating the tissue response to flash radiotherapy compared to conf radiotherapy across a range of tissue types, as shown in Table 1 and 2, many of which have demonstrated a reduction in radiation-induced toxicities for flash radiotherapy.
similar anti-tumor response with flash radiotherapy as comfrey therapy. In addition to limiting toxicities, there have also been reports of flash radiotherapy maintaining the same tumor response as seen following comfrey therapy. In one such study, breast cancer and head and neck carcinoma xenografts were established in mice. Both tumor models were then exposed to either flash radiotherapy or comfrey therapy. Tumor volume was controlled independent of those rates in breast and head and neck xenografts. In the same study, mouse lung carcinoma luciferase positive TCUN cells were transplurally injected to generate an orthotopic lung tumor model. Thoracic radiation of the mice with either comfrey therapy or flash therapy and subsequent evaluation of tumor growth using bioluminescence showed no difference in treating efficacy. Similarly, in another study, human glioblastoma were engrafted to nude mice and locally irradiated with either flash therapy or comfrey therapy, resulting in similar tumor growth retardation. In this study, by Bohers and others, H454 look plus murine GBM cells were implanted orthopically in the stratum of nude mice. This was subsequently followed by wall brain irradiation three days post implantation with either single pulse, flash radiotherapy, or comb radiotherapy. The mice were radiated with a 10 gray single fraction, 3 times 8 gray or 5 times 5 gray, with 24 hours in between fractions. Using bioluminescence to assess the tumor burden, no significant difference could be seen between flash radiotherapy and comfrey therapy for any of the fractionation schemes. In a study by Rama and others, Lewis lung carcinoma LLC cells were inoculated into the left lung of C57 BL6J mice. Two weeks post inoculation, the wall lungs of tumor bearing mice were radiated with a single fraction dose of 18 gray using a clinical pencil beam scanning proton system. One week post treatment, CD scans were performed to measure tumor size. Tumor size was also measured with a caliper after the mice had been sacrificed 10 days post-treatment. Surprisingly, the tumors of the mice treated with proton flash radiotherapy were smaller than the tumors of the mice treated with proton radiotherapy. Moreover, immunofluorescent staining on harvest tumor sections showed an improved recruitment of T lymphocytes into the tumor microenvironment for tumors treated with flash radiotherapy compared to comradiotherapy. Eventually, in some cases, the anti-tumor response to flash radiotherapy might even be better than that of comradiotherapy. What factors influence the flash effect? An important caveat of the preclinical studies investigating flash radiotherapy is the lack of consistency between variables that could potentially influence the induction of the flash effect, such as dose rate, total dose, pulse rate, fractionation, and modality of radiation. This study by Montague-Grill and others using a wide range of dose rates has helped to elucidate the extent to which those rates modulate the flash effect. As previously described, a neuroprotective flash effect was apparent at those rates more or equal 30 degree per second, with a maximal flash effect in use at those rates more than or equal 100 degree per second. This relationship is important to consider when examining studies such as those by Faudon and others, and Vazenin and others, which used 40 to 60 and 300 gray per second respectively when administering flash radiotherapy. In contrast to previously mentioned studies, 
A recent interesting study by Venkati Sulu and others showed a higher toxicity for flash radiotherapy delivered at 35 gray per second than for comp radiotherapy delivered at 0.1 gray per second. These dose rate is probably on the low side for a spiring effect to occur, but that does not explain the high unexpected increased toxicity they found for flash radiotherapy in all of their experiments, especially the increased toxicity of a factor of 1.3 to 1.4 for day in vitro data. There could be many reasons for these results. For example, the dose rate needed for flash sparing effect might not be universal, but rather tissue specific, model and OSA specific, or there could be dosimetric differences between the two delivery modes setups all of which highlights the challenge in performing studies at these dose rates, finding and exploring a beneficial flash effect. Furthermore, there is a large degree of variation in the total dose of radiation used in preclinical flash radiotherapy studies. Compounding this, the majority of studies administer flash radiotherapy in single fraction of 10 gray or more. In many clinical situations, these are currently considered to be extremely large and unattainable fraction doses. The source of radiation must also be considered when evaluating the flash effect. The flash effect has been predominantly observed following flash radiotherapy using dedicated electron linear accelerators as the source of radiation. However, recent studies have expanded the flash field and include observations of flash effect following proton and X-ray radiation. Again, it must be noted that there have been a couple of studies that have been unable to induce a flash effect using proton and X-ray sources. The reason for one X-ray study showing a flash effect and one study not showing an effect was discussed above. The proton study compared quasi-continuous proton beam delivery at a conf radiotherapy dose at 5 gray per minute to flash radiotherapy of 100 gray per second without seeing any toxicity difference for zebrafish embryos. A reason for the absent flash effect might be the quasi-continuous proton beam delivery with several orders of magnitude, lower dose rates with each micropulse, then the flash electron studies micropulses. So further to mean those rate, total dose and the source of radiation. The pulsatile nature of irradiation may also influence the flash effect. In order to induce a flash effect, it seems that the irradiation beam should ideally be pulsed at a frequency in the order of 100 Hz. Furthermore, within each pulse, irradiation should be delivered at sufficiently high dose per pulse and dose rate within the pulse. Together, resulting in a total treatment delivery time of maximum few tenths of second, the range of variables and outcomes seen to date warrants further investigation to confirm that these are the key parameters for inducing the flash effect. Hypothesis to explain the flash effect Oxygen depletion hypothesis The biological mechanism responsible for the reduction in normal tissue toxicities following irradiation at flash dose rates is not currently understood. Yet, several non-mutually exclusive hypotheses have been proposed. Some researchers have suggested that the different response between flash radiotherapy and convert therapy may be due to the radiochemical depletion of oxygen at ultra high dose rates and subsequent radioresistance conferred to irradiated tissue. It is widely accepted that hypotoxic tissues are more radioresistant than well oxygenated tissues. This is because in the presence of molecular oxygen there is fixation or indirect 
radiation use DNA damage. In direct damage, the predominant mechanism by which low linear energy transfer LED radiation induces DNA damage occurs when radiation results in a radiolysis of water molecules and the subsequent generation of free radicals. Free radicals are then incorporated into DNA, causing damage. Yet, this can be easily resolved. However, if a free radical reacts with molecular oxygen, this yields a peroxy radical. Peroxy radicals have the potential to induce permanent damage and are therefore a more efficacious DNA damaging agent. Hence, a lack of oxygen in the immediate environment of a cell limits the extent of radiation-induced DNA damage. When considering the oxygen depletion theory, it is important to know the nature of physiologically relevant oxygen concentrations or physoxia. Normal tissues in vivo are perfused with much lower oxygen concentrations than in vitro cell lines cultured in atmospheric oxygen concentrations. Depending on tissue type, physoxia generally lies between 3.4 and 6.8% oxygen, especially relevant for current treatment with flash radiotherapy limited to superficial tissues. Physoxia in skin increases with depth from the surface of the skin to the dermis from around 1.1 to 4.6%. Considering physoxia and given the critical relationship between oxygen concentration and radiosensitivity, radiochemical oxygen depletion has the potential to significantly dampen the radiobiological response. A relationship between dose rate and oxygen consumption was proposed by Dewey and Born in 1959. They demonstrated that bacteria radiated at ultra-high dose rates had greater survival compared to bacteria radiated at what we now consider to be conventional dose rate. The survival curve generated following ultra-high dose rate of radiation was indicative of bacteria radiated in a hypoxic environment. The authors hypothesized at the time that this response was a consequence of oxygen depletion following a large dose of radiation in such a short time frame. The time for which the bacteria were radiated for was shorter than the time required for oxygen to diffuse and restore the oxygen that had been depleted. Given that molecular oxygen is depleted as it reacts with free radicals generated from the radiolysis of water, irradiation yield to high dose rates is able to significantly deplete oxygen before it can replenish. This gives rise to a small window of radiobiological hypoxia. The oxygen depletion hypothesis has been strengthened by a walk demonstrating that as dose rate is increased, the cellular survivor mimics that of cells radiated in an increasingly hypoxic environment. Furthermore, it was subsequently shown in mammalian cells that the oxygen-dependent fixation of indirect DNA damage could be dampened at ultra-high dose rates. Importantly, the total dose at which these cells exhibited a hypoxic-like response was linear with respect to increasing the oxygen concentration in which the cells were cultured. The range of oxygen concentrations used in this study was relatively narrow and therefore the phenomenon could have been limited to cells already in hypoxic environments. However, the recent in vitro study by Adrian and others used physiologically relevant oxygen concentrations and showed that the sparing effect of flash irradiation is dependent on oxygen concentration. An in vivo mouse model has also been shown the irradiation of mouse tails at ultra-high dose rates induced radio resistance indicative of oxygen depletion. Together, this data suggests 
that the irradiation of tissues with flash radiotherapy results in radiochemical oxygen depletion, giving rise to an extremely acute period of hypoxia within the irradiated tissue and consequently a transient radioresistance. This phenomenon is not seen following irradiation with cone radiotherapy, as radiation is delivered with much smaller pulses and over a longer time frame. Hence, during cone radiotherapy, oxygen depletion is limited and there is sufficient time for oxygen to diffuse into the irradiated region to replace oxygen that has been lost. Therefore, oxygen concentration within the irradiated tissue is maintained. There is growing interest surrounding other oxygen-based radicals as a potential mechanism bridging the local oxygen depletion observed following irradiation at ultra-high dose rates and reduced toxicities to normal tissue. A recent study proposes that oxygen depletion at ultra-high dose rates promotes the protection of normal tissue by limiting the production of reactive oxygen species. This study repeated previous work demonstrating that wall brain irradiation of C57BL6J mice with flash radiotherapy did not induce cognitive impairments at those rates exceeding 100 gray per second compared to non-irradiated controls. Moreover, in support of a critical role for oxygen, the flash effect increasing the local oxygen concentration in mice brains through carbogene breathing reversed the cognitive protection conferred by flash radiotherapy. Furthermore, zebrafish embryos were subjected to either flash radiotherapy or convertotherapy in the presence or absence of two well-documented reactive oxygen species scavengers. N acetylcysteine and amiphosphysteine. Giving weight to the involvement of reactive oxygen species in the flesh effect, zebrafish embryos exposed to flesh radiotherapy in combination with a reactive oxygen species scavenger had no effect on zebrafish length T5 post irradiation. However, zebrafish embryos exposed to convert therapy alone were significantly shorter than those exposed to convert therapy in combination with a reactive oxygen species scavenger. This provides crude but encouraging evidence suggesting that toxicities arising from convert therapy are in part due to the generation of reactive oxygen species and that the generation of these species is reduced following flash therapy. The largest limitation of this study is that there are no direct measurements of reactive oxygen species in a physiological context. Instead, water containing 4% aqueous oxygen was irradiated at either ultra-high or conventional dose rates. Conventional dose rates generated significantly greater reactive oxygen species than ultra-high dose rates. Despite this shortfall, the interesting findings detailed upon radiation in combination with antioxidant merits further exploration into the role of reactive oxygen species for the flash effect. The oxygen depletion hypothesis seems to explain the reduced toxicity of flash radiotherapy to normal tissue. However, it does not easily explain how flash radiotherapy can maintain tumor response relative to cone radiotherapy. Although tumors more hypoxic compared to their normal tissue counterparts, most are not completely anoxic. Therefore, following flash radiotherapy, there will also be radiochemical depletion of oxygen within the tumor. Hence, it will be expected this would confer radioresistance to the tumor. In contrast to experimental data, one would subsequently expect to observe reduced tumor control following flash radiotherapy relative to conf radiotherapy. Though for highly hypoxic tumor models, the reduced tumor control will be expected to be minimal.
A possible explanation for the maintained tumor control is proposed in a recent paper by Spitz and others. They hypothesized that higher levels of redox active iron in tumor compared to normal tissue and differences in oxidative metabolism between normal and tumor tissues with the more rapid removal and decay of the organic hydroperoxides and free radicals derived from peroxidation chain reactions in normal tissue defines the beneficial therapeutic index of the flash effect. Interestingly, a recent computational model of oxygen depletion used by flash radiotherapy concluded that radiochemical oxygen depletion at an expectant rate of 0.42 mm of mercury per gray would be sufficient to confer radioresistance. However, this conclusion was predicted on the basis that radioresistance would only be conferred to already hypoxic tissues. To explore this, it would be interesting to compare the DNA repair proficiency of normal tissue relative to tumor tissue. Perhaps radioresistance induced in tumor tissue by oxygen depletion is compensated for by a lower ability of DNA repair compared to normal tissue. Regions of hypoxia occur in the majority of soil tumors, as opposed to the physoxia found in the surrounding nervous tissue. This may well be relevant to the relative repair of DNA damage induced by flash radiotherapy, as exposure to hypoxia has also been described to lead to the repression of the DNA repair pathways, including homologous recombination, non-homologous end joining and base excision repair. To test this hypothesis, the weight of DNA repair said, for example, by determining the appearance and resolution of 53BP1 foci should be measured in both normal and tumor cells after exposure to flash radiotherapy. The vast majority of data pertaining to the oxygen depletion theory has been explored from cell survivor responses following irradiation at different dose rates. Therefore, there must be more direct measurements of any potential oxygen flux in tissues following irradiation at ultra-high dose rates. However, given the supposed brevity of any hypoxia induced by a flash radiotherapy, this is extremely difficult. It has been inferred the reoxygenation by diffusion of a tissue following flash radiotherapy occurs after 10 to the power minus 3 seconds. Hypoxia for such a brief moment can certainly not be detected by measuring markers of a hypoxia-mediated transcription response, which would be observed following a longer period of hypoxia. However, it is unknown whether a chemical mark of hypoxia, such as pimovidinazole, is sufficiently sensitive to detect such an acute period of hypoxia. Immune Hypothesis A modified immune response following flash radiotherapy relative to comb radiotherapy has also been proposed as a potential mechanism for the flash effect. The fractionated radiotherapy regimes commonly used in confrontotherapy result in the radiation of a greater promotion of circulating lymphocytes compared to total dose delivered in a single fraction. Following a standard regime of 30 fractions of 2 gray, 98.8% of the blood pool has been exposed to more than 0.5 gray. Additionally, it has been reported that the induction of chromosomal aberrations in the circulating blood pool is dependent on the total volume of the blood pool irradiated. Therefore, in accordance with the short radiation time characteristic of flash radiotherapy, it would follow that fewer lymphocytes would be irradiated and subsequently reduce induction of chromosomal aberrations. However, flash radiotherapy would expose lymphocytes to a greater dose of radiation, albeit 
much fewer of them in comparison to CONV radiotherapy. If a modified immune response contributes to the flesh effect, one would expect a fractionated flesh radiotherapy regime to, at least in part, reduce any protection conferred by the flesh effect. The hypothesis has been strengthened recently by a study that carried out genome-wide microarray analysis on mice following flash radiotherapy and conv radiotherapy. This study reported the immune system-wide activation and maturation was dampened in mice following flash radiotherapy relative to conv radiotherapy. Also, as mentioned above, this study by Ram and others showed an improved recruitment of T lymphocytes into the tumor microenvironment for tumors treated with flash radiotherapy compared to conv-radiotherapy, which gives merit to this hypothesis. In several studies, immunocompromised animals were used to compare treatment efficacy of flash radiotherapy and conv-radiotherapy with no observed difference in tumor response, which could be interpreted to further strengthen the hypothesis. It is worth noting, however, that any difference may linking an immune role to the flesh effect is correlative rather than causative. It is unclear whether any differential immune response following irradiation at ultra-high dose rates contributes to the flesh effect or is a consequence of it. Additionally, since the flesh effect has been observed in vitro, in bacterial and cell culture models which are devoid of a functioning immune system, an immunological component is likely to be responsible for only part of the underlying mechanism. Most studies are needed to clarify if the immune response or other biological responses like DNA damage response or inflammation is different following flash therapy compared to therapy, and if they are part of the underlying mechanism resulting in the flesh effect. Clinical Applications of Flesh Radiotherapy The obvious endpoint of investigation into the flesh effect is the transaction of flesh radiotherapy to the clinic. Flash therapy could be translated to the clinic to serve two general purposes. Firstly, the flash effect could be exploited to allow for escalation of total dose in treatment of radioresistant tumors that are currently associated with poor patient outcomes. In this case, it is hypothesized that a greater dose of radiation could be delivered to the tumor without inducing a severe toxicities to the normal surrounding tissue as would be expected following comp radiotherapy. Secondly, flesh therapy could be used in situations in which radiotherapy confers good levels of tumor control but is associated with severe normal tissue toxicity. The same total dose would be administered but hypothetically flesh therapy would induce less severe toxicities compared to comp radiotherapy. Despite these exciting potential applications of flesh radiotherapy, the extent to which it is clinically viable in practice is questionable. As reviewed above, there are some inconsistencies in the results from the preclinical studies. Furthermore, a proportion of these studies are designed with significant limitations such as using a single subject and a lack of controls irradiated at conventional dose rates. However, the results emerging from preclinical studies put into question the suitability of flash therapy in many clinical situations. Independent studies that have successfully observed a flash effect report a dose-modifying factor of about 20-40% to 40% in favour of flash radiotherapy relative to conv radiotherapy. 
However, these same studies only report a flash effect at total doses of 10 gray or more. This point is particularly well illustrated in the recent study by Bosinini and others. In a zebrafish model whereby zebrafish embryos were radiated with flash therapy or chemotherapy at doses ranging from 5 to 12 gray, increasing in 1 gray increments. Zebrafish length was recorded 5 days post-radiation as a measure of radiation-induced toxicity. A significant difference in morphology between these irradiated with flash RT and conv RT was only apparent at doses more or equal to 10 gray. Even when accounting for the dose-modifying factor of flash radiotherapy, an equivalent dose perfection of 6 to 8 gray given by therapy may still be considered as too large a dose in various clinical scenarios, such as in the treatment of larger, locally advanced tumors. A previous phase 1 dose escalation study in locally advanced non-small cell lung cancer, NSCLC, utilized hyperfractionate treatment with doses per fraction well below those required for flash effect. Six patients developed late onset grade 4 to 5 toxicity that were attributed to damage to the proximal bronchial tree, ergo highlighting the need for caution when employing hyperfractionated regimes. Hyperfractionation is nevertheless getting more widely used in the clinic for a variety of treatment sites and could be proven even more useful together with flash therapy and its potentially lower level of normal tissue toxicity. One of the most interesting advancements in the flash field is the first human patient treated with flash therapy. A 75-year-old male presenting with multi-resistant CD30 plus T cell cutaneous lymphoma was offered the opportunity to be the first human subject of flash therapy. A 35mm lesion was exposed to a dose rate exceeding 10 to the power 6 gray per second in each of 10 discrete 1 microsecond pulses to a total dose of 15 gray. This equates to a mean dose rate of 167 gray per second and 1.5 gray per pulse. Following treatment, Shrinkage of the lesion was observed 10 days post radiation, culminating in the complete tumor response 36 days post radiation, which was maintained for the following 5 months. From the point at which the lesion initially began to shrink, the patient presented with redness and mild odioma and epithalysis around the site of radiation. This was starkly different to the patient's other lesions treated with therapy that resulted in high-grade acute reactions to the surrounding skin that took circa three to four months to heal. Despite the promising outcome for this patient, this should not be considered evidence confirming that flash therapy can be successfully translated to clinic. This study was performed in a single patient that only allowed for limited comparison of differential response between flash therapy and convert therapy. An appropriated powered randomized controlled trial with flash therapy and convert therapy is associated with superior clinical outcomes. At the very least, a positive phase 2 single arm study of flash therapy in a sample of participants, three representative for real-world patients is required before the routine adop- adoption of flash therapy can be seriously entertained. A 4.5 to 20 electron volt electron beams are to be used for the clinical trials. They would be limited to treating superficial tumors or treating tumors with intraoperative radiation therapy. 
Currently, flashware therapy clinical trials on deep-seated tumors can only be performed with proton beams. However, to treat tumors with a proton beam in a clinical trial, the beam needs to be scattered or scanned to cover the target volume which reduces the average dose rate. So, before performing clinical trial, preclinical studies are needed to ensure that the flash effect is not lost due to either the increased LET in the brack peak or the required scattering scanning of the beam. As previously mentioned, most studies showing a flash effect has dedicated electron linear accelerators as the source of radiation. Recent studies have shown that clinical linear accelerators can be modified to deliver flash ray therapy with electrons, larger increasing the potential availability of flash ray therapy devices and facilitating the translation to clinical trials. However, an obvious limitation in the depth penetration with 4.5 to 20 millielectron volt electron beams only reaching to a few centimeter depth in tissue. Consequently, other treatment devices techniques are needed for flash therapy to be clinically useful for more than superficial treatments with external beam radiotherapy or IORT. A solution to the limited depth penetration would be to use electron beams of high energy so-called very high energy electron beams with beam energies of 100 to 250 millielectron volt. Such beams have good path penetration, sharp beam penumbra and are less sensitive to tissue heterogeneity than conventional X-ray beams. Also, using electromagnets, the beam can in theory be focused to the tumor volume resulting in those to target conformity with a single beam comparable to that of modern X-ray treatment techniques. For example, intensity modulated radiation therapy IMRT, and volumetric modulated arc therapy VMIT. A single beam delivery might prove essential for retaining the flash effect in clinical trials. Unfortunately, these beams are currently limited to research accelerators which are either rather large or suffers from a low pulse rate, a small beam size and stability issues. A recent paper showed that conventional X-ray tubes could potentially be used for flash radiotherapy studies. This is interesting as such systems small, relatively inexpensive and clinically available. Similar, however, to the electron-linear accelerators, the depth penetration is a limiting factor making it useful only down to a few millimeter depth in tissue. An additional limitation is the beam size of only a few centimeter. Synchrotron sources has similar beam energies as X-ray tubes but has the added advantage of the possibility of using spatially fractioned ultra-high dose rate microbeam radiation therapy MRT. Microbeam radiation therapy is characterized by rays of quasi-parallel microplanar beams with a width of 25 to 100 micrometer, typically separated by 100 to 400 micrometer. Since its invention in 1992, numerous preclinical studies have shown extraordinary tolerance of normal organs and blood vessels exposed to fractioned radiation doses in excess of 100 gray in beam doses, with those rates exceeding several hundred gray per second. The combined effect of spatially fractioned macrobeams and flush dose rates have been shown in small animal models to achieve therapeutic ratios that clearly exceed those obtained by conventional X-ray with a homogeneous dose distribution and conv radiotherapy dose rates. 
in a range of malignancies, including gliomas, gliosarcomas, hemoscuomas cell carcinomas, and glioblastomas. The disadvantage of this technique is the requirement of synchrotrons, which are very large, inexpensive, and therefore of limited availability. A platform that might solve both size and stability issue of VHEE beams and also low for the production of 6 to 10 millivolt flash X-ray beams is phaser. The phaser concept, pluridirectional high-energy agile scanning electron radiotherapy concept, has been presented by Maxim and others. It might be an ideal way for introducing flash into the clinic. Included in the concept is a novel and quick image-guided technique. New or highly adapted imaging guidance techniques are needed for the clinical treatment of deep-seated tumors with flash radiotherapy. Regardless of radiation modality, the phaser is brilliant on technical advances and novel innovations in linear accelerator technology, radiofrequency science and medical physics, which in turn requires time and funding for research and development. Therefore, it is still under development. Alternative concepts of producing 6 to 10 millivolt flash X-ray beams would be the, to use multiple synchronized linear accelerators or a powerful recirculating accelerator. Albeit large and expensive, a clinically available system for treating deep-seated tumors with flash therapy is with proton beams. Clinical proton beams have good depth penetration, are often electromagnetically steered, and can produce conformal dose distribution with a single to a few beams. There have been studies, published and unpublished, with mixed reports on a flash effect with protons, but significant resources have now been put into research on proton flash therapy by the principal vendors for proton radiotherapy devices, which should expedite the translation of proton flash therapy into clinical trials. Conclusion The flash effect is an extremely interesting radiobiological phenomenon that confers some degree of protection compared to comradiotherapy. The flash effect has now been observed across a range of animal models and more recently has been suggested in a human patient for the first time. Of equal importance, limited data would suggest that flash therapy maintains a similar tumor response to comradiotherapy. Together, this raises the prospect that flash therapy will allow patients to receive a greater total dose of radiation prior to the induction of unacceptable toxicities that currently limit radiotherapy regimes. There has been much speculation regarding the biological mechanisms underpinning the flash effect. It is well established that radiation results in the radiochemical depletion of oxygen. This is particularly prevalent at ultra-high dose rates. From the data currently available, we can safely conclude that oxygen depletion contributes, at least in part, to the flash effect. However, the extent of its contribution remains unknown and therefore warrants further investigation. Aside from oxygen depletion, an immune modulator role has been broadly implicated in the flash effect, yet evidence to support this is currently sparse and preliminary. Likewise, any potential immune-mediated contribution to the flash effect requires much greater exploration. Aside from mechanistic insights, the overreaching question remains of the translational potential of flash therapy to clinical environments. 
despite independent studies concluding the flasher therapy confers a dose modifying factor of 20 to 40 percent the repeated finding that the flash effect is only evident at total doses of 10 gray or more means the flasher therapy would not be suitable in many clinical cases as a result of further investigation into the biological basis of the flash effect may eventually be possible to generate a flash effect at smaller doses, therefore further increasing the clinical potential of flash radiotherapy. Another limiting factor in translating flash radiotherapy to the clinical is the availability of radiation sources capable of producing beams suitable for treatment of deep-seated as well as superficial tumors with ultra-high rates. In summary, with shorter treatment times and lower levels of toxicity, flash radiotherapy may one day have the potential to be a paradigm shift in the field of radiotherapy. For this to be the case, however, there is a real need to identify the mechanism behind the flash effect. The currently available data more than justifies this further investigation. Thank you for listening to Pub Reading. See you next time with another article.